Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 1. The easiest chapter in the Bible there is to find. Genesis chapter 1. What's that? It's in the beginning. Let's go in, Louise. Can't lose it. There's a lot of, a lot of verses in the, in the Bible where you go, where was that? I know it was on the left on my Bible, about three-quarters of the way down. It's right about here. Chapter 1 of Genesis, it's always there. We're going to begin a, a series now, as we've mentioned. Uh, it's going to take till about June. We're going to do, I think, the first 25 chapters of Genesis. I think it's 25. Um, so we're beginning today with only the first two chapters. So nothing big, nothing complicated, nothing long. Uh, just a nice, simple, easy first two chapters of Genesis. So I'll get you out. You know, Giants kickoff is 4.30. So we'll be, we'll be all right. Let's read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were also above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth a living creature according to its kind cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's just finish with chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Let's commit this time to the Lord. God, we are uh, in awe at you and everything that shows who you are. As we think today and study and look at just the, the marvel of creation, help us to understand who you are better. May our hearts uh, just be filled with joy at the, at the consideration that you are the God who made all things, but you are our God. So help us to understand these things so that we can understand you better, God. Be glorified in this time. Thank you for giving us this word that we can know how all this happened. We praise you and thank you for your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible begins with this for very, I believe, particular reasons. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It's not luck that the Bible begins with creation. And it's not an accident that it begins with these four words. In the beginning, God. The first thing that we have to know, need to know, is that before all things, there is God. That's the truth of the Bible, and that's what we're going to find throughout the Bible. We read the whole Bible with an understanding of God is first. So the word itself begins with the truth that before anything, there was God. He has no beginning. He has always been. It's not coincidence, and it's not something I think that we should just gloss over and go, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No, no, stop it in the beginning, God. Stop right there for a minute. In the beginning, God. The Hebrew word Elohim, which is the plural of the word deity. It's already telling us that there is a triune God who made all things. It's a declaration to us from the beginning before you think about anything else, there is God. Because without that, nothing else makes sense. There is no truth. There's nothing that you can believe in. There's nothing you can trust in until you know and understand first and foremost that before anything, there has always been God. He is the God. The Bible directs us immediately, immediately before we read anything about law, about purity, salvation, anything, that there is one who has power and authority above everything. He is the reason there is a word called beginning. He doesn't have a beginning. He's the one who made things that there is a beginning. Before we can even look at how anything happens, before we consider why anything is here, why are we here, there is God. And it begins with the power of God. 
Everything that is made happens because what? God said. God said. So the second thing we learn from creation immediately is the power of God's word. It's the power of God's word. When we read the rest of the Bible, and you come across words like, and the Lord said, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. And when you come across the Bible, and the Lord said, thou shalt. <laughs> thou shalt. I talked to before about the plural of God. It begins with Elohim. And telling us how everything is created, there's more to that than just the word God. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Again, no accidents, no coincidences a consistency in the Word of God. The Gospel of John chapter 1 begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In the beginning, Jesus is there. All things are made through him, by him, and for him. So when we begin with the creation and the understanding, we need to know who is there. Who is God? Because we're going to look at the word of God. I started talking about the word of God, right? Thou shalt, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Thou shalt care for widows and orphans. There's all kinds of rules and things that God says the Lord said. Jesus said some things too. Let the children come to me, right? I am the Son of God. This is the Word of God being spoken. And when He says things like, I will never leave you or forsake you, that is the Word of God. The same Word of God that spoke things into creation. And when he cries out on the cross, it is finished. That is the word of God being spoken. That is the word of God, the same voice that spoke all things into creation. It is finished. So when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you know that the word that spoke everything you see and all that we can't even imagine also said it is finished because I have finished the work. That is the word of God when he speaks. And as we look at it, consider creation, we are not going to go day by day of creation, I promise you. We're, this is like an overview, um, just, just a, a, a hope to use creation for what it was intended to see God. That's my goal today, just so we're, we're okay. Don't want you to have any, any worries that we're going to go day by day. I encourage you to go day by day, but we're not going to go day by day. But know this, too. In Proverbs 3.19, it says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. The challenge, right, the, the, the argument today 
between creation and evolution is accident and chaos or a planned creator, a designer who had a purpose. And here's the truth. We discover more and more how amazing and complex everything that's made is. And it only points to one thing. It points away from chaos and it points towards intelligent design. It points towards this is, cannot be random. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. But I wanted to just start with the, 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 the foundation before we look at these things, that it's all by God, it's by God's word. The, this word these four words, in the beginning God, should be words of comfort and words of hope. Because it's going to set the, the baseline, as I said, the foundation, that everything else we see in the Word of God, everything we read, everything that God says to trust in, we know we can. Psalm 92, 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, O ever you had formed, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, You are God. When we read through creation and we look at things today and we consider how God made things however long ago, it's only there because God decided it would be. We are only here because God decided. And here's the thing about God. God makes new. God makes new. God is a creator. Science will show that over time, species adapt and can change to their climate and their environment. That is not the same as becoming something new. Where you live and the climate will affect you. Your body will adapt and generations will change. We see that around the world. That's why people look so different because of where they live. But nothing ever shows that anything adapts and becomes changed over time. So God is a creator. In all the things that God created, everything was good. God made man. There are probably people can come up with different versions. I made a couple of lists of threes looking at these these two chapters. There are three truths of creation. Again, someone else may have another list. You may have your own list. This is just what I saw. One, this is a truth of creation. God is pre-existent. Two, it is God who created all things. And it is man alone who was created in God's image and received the breath of life. There are three purposes of creation. The universe was created to house the earth. The earth was created to house man. Man was created to worship God. Everything God makes and the way God made, and when you go through these these days and you look how things are made, it's not just the intelligent design. The order matters too. You you can see the intelligence in how God made things. Nothing can live on the earth without water. 
Nothing can live on the earth without vegetation. Vegetation can't be without water. So what is the order God makes things? You see the design and the plan in the simpleness. And let's just, let's just be honest. Let's be, be realistic in our expectation. Mankind did not have the scientific discoveries that they have now. Imagine God at the time he revealed how he created everything, trying to lay it out to what we understand now with DNA and molecules and biology. Man would have been like, what? And we still are. They still look at it and go, what? So it is God and God alone who makes life out of nothing. And we also see the power of God in, other, in the way he says it. Take, for example, verse 3. God said, let there be light. There is power and authority that comes from that phrase. Let there. The only one who can decide if it's going to be allowed to be made if it's going to be allowed to exist, he says, let there be light. I bless it. I ordain it. Make it. So we know that everything has a purpose and a reason again. There's no accidents. There's no coincidences. There's no chaos. Psalm 19.1, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. In Romans 1.20, Paul writes, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I'm actually going to get into science in a minute, very briefly. But again, everything we discover only does one thing. Well, it answers questions. But it also points out the fact that the magnitude of the power of God in his design is beyond man's comprehension. We, we can't even, we couldn't even make it up. We discovered the complexity of, of DNA and molecules. We couldn't have designed that and made that up. God has power. He decides it's going to be in a thing we see to the glory. The, the complexity of the... I'm sure you guys know this because this is not any big secret. It's out there. The complexity, even of the universe, not just the earth, but the universe, every single thing is, is critical to us being able to live here. The universe, not just plankton and, and, and the, the, the food life thing that here and all that stuff. I don't know biology well. All that, it points to the glory of God and the genius and the wisdom that went into making it all, how complex it is. So the order matters. I like the fact, I love the fact, God had a plan. I, it, I, just, I just see a picture here. It's just a beautiful picture to me. What's the first thing God made? Light. Who is Jesus? The light of the world. It's not the same light, I realize that, but there's a picture there. There's a lot of illustrations in, in creation in Genesis, and that's one of the most beautiful ones. What came first? Light. Because everything that's going to grow and live is going to need light anyway. 
but he who is first and before all things is the light of the world. Beautiful picture. So as I mentioned, we know now, well, we've always known, but they don't know. Creation is not by chance or chaos. Um, I am not an, an expert in any way in science. My three least favorite classes in order were art, drama, and science. So this is, this is not something that uh, I really uh, have an ability to speak on, but I have some information from other people. And, and here's the thing that we want to look at, right? What's happening today, and it's been happening for, for a long time, as we know, is there are theories as to how everything been, has been made. And that's the, that's the important part of theory. What I do remember from science, believe it or not, is the whole idea of the, the hypothesis, right? The scientist starts with a hypothesis. My hypothesis could be... That's a perfectly valid scientific hypothesis. And it's my job as a scientist to either prove it true or false. It's not bad if I prove it false. A lot of good things come from proving things false. You have to remove certain things. So I'll do my testing. I'll cut off pieces. I'll put in the microscope. I'll do all kinds of testing. I'll... My hypothesis is wrong. That is not bronze. That is particle board or whatever it is. Then I got to figure out what particle board is. But anyway, so it's not bad. Science is not the enemy of the Christian. It's the application of science by those who are solely convinced and driven by the to prove nothing else but that there is no God. That's all they want to do. Science proves there is God because there is no way things can be done without God. The scientific evidence is supposed to bring man closer and closer and closer to God. The things he allows us to see and discover as we become more intelligent should bring us to God. The existence of God should lead to the belief in Christ because it begins with the word of all things being created and leads to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I have a couple of excerpts that I'd like to share with you guys to show how complex science is. So, uh, the first slide for me. All right. So I went out of my way to make this a very interesting graphic because that shows you how much I like science. I put every effort into it. So in the book, by the way, I, I put the website up there. If, 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 if um, this kind of interests you, you can go to the AnswersInGenesis.com website. They have a phenomenal book there on creation, and it goes through everything in a scientific way, but a way that you can understand, I can, even I can understand it. And it's free. And it's written by a scientist who was an evolutionist, who went to a lecture by a scientist who was a creationist and explained in his lecture scientifically why creation is true. And this man was convicted. And he went and began studying all the things he had taught and challenging them. And he came to the conclusion on his own, through science, that creation is the truth. And he wrote this book. Okay? Now, one of the things they use measure the age of the earth is this radiometric testing. That's all I know about it. It's called radiometric testing. For example, how can you know it's good? Well, the rocks from Mount St. Helens that erupted in 1980. Anybody remember it? Show your hand. Hold my, all right. Kids, look it up. It's fascinating. The bioradiometric testing of those rocks showed them to be 10,000 years old. How can you trust the equipment you're measuring 
when what you know conflicts with the evidence that you're trying to find. Scientific testing is conflicting. They believe that they could test with this equipment how old the earth is, but yet when they test stuff that they know was made in 1980, their equipment says it's 10,000 years old. Okay? Now, DNA. DNA is something that mankind has just recently discovered and still trying to grasp and get their mind around. The DNA similarity between man and chimp is 98%. We are 98% alike to chimpanzees in our DNA. But that 2% makes up 3 billion base pairs of DNA. That equates to 10 million plus DNA differences of 60 million code letter differences. Now, there's four-letter codes that make up DNA, A, G, C, and T, right? Did I get it right? Yeah, well, I guess. I almost remembered something, A, G, C, and T. So the complexity, the percentages, with a 1.5% DNA difference between our chromosome, there's an 80% difference in the gene-produced proteins that make us who we are. So they'll say, oh, there's 98% similarity to man and ape. But the magnitude that science shows of how big that is means there's no connection. There's not a connection. When we read Genesis chapter 2, which I haven't read, but, but you know it well, how is man formed from the earth? How are all the beasts of the field made? They're formed from the earth. We're made from the same stuff. We have one creator. When you make stuff, you use the same stuff. When you walk into your house and you see a vase made of clay and a plate made of clay, that's what it's made out of, do you think, oh, they're the same? There's no connection to them. They're made out of the same stuff, but they're completely molded and formed and made into being something different, and they will never be the same. You're not going to eat out of your vase. You're not going to put your flowers on a plate. They're different things, but they're made out of the same material. We are made out of the same material, but God made us different. Can you go to the other slide, please? Uh, this book here, um, MultimediaApologetics.com, is, is an apologetics book um, written by a high school teacher at Christian Heritage School named Daniel Cody. He was one of my son's teachers, and he wrote a book on apologetics. I wanted to put this number up there to because if I just said it, I don't know, like I know myself, if I just said the number, like 10 to 125th power, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. But that's the number. So what we are is we're made of cells, right? Everybody knows that. We're made of cells. Cells are made of molecules, and molecules are made of atoms. Okay? So the probability that one protein molecule can be made out of atoms randomly, randomly, without any design, forming into a, cell, a molecule over the time of 100 million, so you got 100 million years for atoms to randomly form themselves into a molecule is, one, is 10 to the 125th power. So I don't know if you can see that number up there, but so if you had 10%, 1%, right, it would be 0.1 and then the percent sign. See how many zeros there are? You realize the mathematical improbability that that could happen? It, it's, almost, it's, it's as close to impossible as we can actually measure. And then to make a cell, you need 300 to 500 molecules. So you're going to tell me that you can intelligently say by the evidence that randomly these atoms formed a molecule and then formed a cell, and this happened over and over and over again, millions and millions and millions of times, to make what walks on the earth today? It's not possible. Thank you, Daniel.
Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Just very quickly, you can look at Genesis 1 and 2 without any really awareness, think there's a conflict in, in the way they record things. There's not a conflict. It's just different accounts being told differently. So Genesis 1 is the order in which things are made. Genesis 2 is the account from the perspective of a man being made. So things seem out of order, but they're not. It's just a matter of context based on the way the story is being told. Verse 7, And the Lord God, so now Elohim is Jehovah Elohim, the self-existent God, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We are the only creation that God breathed life into. We have soul. We have spirit. We have similarities to God in who we are. We create. We make things. We develop things. We design things. That's who we are because we are in the image of God. Man, here's how I know there's a difference. As far as I know, man is the only being who worships. The, the, the hidden jungle monkey temple is only in the movies. It's only in the movies. Only man has the innate desire, because he was connected to his creator by the breath of life, to have a desire to worship. That's the way we're made. We spend our life trying to connect to what it is. Some people never find it, and they fill it with things, but it's worship. It's all worship. But when you get reconnected to our Creator, there's a peace and there's a harmony that comes because we're brought back to who made us. God made man with an intended purpose to have a relationship, not just to be a beast that roams about the earth. We were put here to relate to God. Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was made for man. God made man. Find the verse. Had a second ago. Yeah, thank you, Joe. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So the Garden of Eden is what we would equate to paradise. It is perfect, it is pure, it is good, and when God made man, he put him there. That was God's desire for man from the beginning to dwell in paradise, to dwell in a place that is good and everything is good. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today you will be where? With me in paradise. It's not the same paradise. I'm not trying to draw that conclusion. But there's a picture there of what it's like. Life with God in the eternal place is the equivalent of paradise. There are words that can qualitatively express what it really is. But just think of whatever paradise is to you, and that's what it's going to feel like. 
God's desire for man was always to be in paradise. And through Jesus Christ, we now have paradise. I am not going to talk about the trees because John has um, the fall next week. And I don't want to be a spoiler, but the trees have an important part. I don't want to ruin it, so just make sure you come back next week for the big surprise uh, of what happens in the story of man. But God put, a tree, put two trees in there, and what I do want to say is interesting. One tree was forbidden. One tree was not. The tree of life was never forbidden for man. God puts man in the garden, and he tells him to tend the garden. Man was made to work, not be lazy. And I think, in my mind, I'm not trying to be doctrinal, but I see a beautiful connection in the fact that God made paradise, put man in it, and said, enjoy it and care for it. Is that kind of the Christian life is? We've been put into a new life. And we care for the body of Christ. Cherish it. Tend to it. Do the work of God. Doing that work glorified God. Before the fall, when Adam was in the garden just doing what he was supposed to do, he was glorifying God. Glorifying God is a form of worship. By being obedient to God, intending what God gave him, Adam was worshiping God. Adam did not need anything made by his hands for his comfort in the Garden of Eden. All that God provided was sufficient. All that God provided was sufficient. Until, no, I'm just kidding. God says it's not good for man to be alone. So he causes Adam to sleep, and out of his side, it's translated rib. It's not literally a rib. It's his side. There's a beautiful quote. I would give you credit. I give credit to who said it if I knew. I, I don't know. I saw it multiple places, and I just absolutely love it. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. Eve was not made out of his head to surpass him. And she was not from his feet to be trampled on, but she was from his side to be equal to him and near his heart to be dear to him. So God creates man, God creates woman, and he makes them out of each other. He makes woman out of man because God's design for marriage is that when the two are joined, there is a passionate desire and need to be one. When a man and woman are joined in marriage, there should be a heart that desires the other. There's another beautiful picture here that I see. When Jesus was on the cross, the last part of him that was pierced was his side. And blood and water flowed out. Blood and water. The blood of redemption and maybe the water of baptism. I'm not saying doctrinally that that makes the church, but there's a beautiful picture there. That without Christ's crucifixion, there is no church, and the church is the bride of the Lamb. The final piercing into Jesus was in his side, 
so that his, by his death, we can be the bride of Christ. There's a beautiful picture of the way God made man and woman and God's plan for Christ in the church. We are to be one with him. The way husbands should love their wives, Christ loves the church. The way wives should submit to their husbands, the church should submit to Christ. It's such a beautiful picture. We are more than just a body. We are connected spiritually, emotionally, with our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Genesis account of creation tells us that God created the heavens, earth, man, and woman. Obedience of that tree, you shall not eat it. That was made, that was created. Obedience was created in the garden. Marriage. And when we consider God as a creator who makes things new, when you consider all that God has made, the power that made it, the authority that made it, Remember this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, we are a new creation. So this account of creation is not just how things were made. It's not just how things were made to argue with scientists. It is a beautiful picture for us to understand who we are in Christ. New, with a purpose. Ephesians 2, right? We are his workmanship, made for good works. We have a purpose. I want to close with uh, this one thing. Turn with me to Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Verse 14. I want you to listen to how I say this. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can we say that together, please? I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. Who is man that you would be mindful of him? <laughs> but you know us. You've known us since before we were even in the womb. 
You are wonderful. Your works are amazing. And in everything we see, everything we discover, we realize one truth over and over and over again, constantly prove that you are God. You are creator. And in Jesus Christ, we have new life. Thank you for being a creating God, a loving God, a merciful God, and one who knew that we needed to be made new. So at the right time, you sent Jesus Christ to the cross for us. Thank you that he allowed his hands to be pierced, his feet to be pierced, and his side to be pierced. Lord God, you are amazing. Thank you for loving us so much. We praise you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week.